Hi, I'm P, and this is my podcast. Listeners of my podcast know that I don't know how to properly start podcasts either. So I'm just going to start talking. It's probably also going to be in the podcast, but I want to welcome Yumi to the podcast. Um, could you say your last name so that I don't mispronounce your last name? Oh, yeah, of course. It's Sakugawa. That's what my head said inside. I just didn't want to say awesome. it loud and... and sound dumb <laughs> but thank you so so much for joining me on on cheat codes with p i am obsessed with your way of expressing the things that you express and i just really enjoy that you bring this sweetness to the online space while also being simultaneously empowering. I feel like that's so beautiful to see. We have quite a few questions here and it's interesting. A lot of the people, <laughs> what they dropped in the little comment box was just that they love us both and <laughs> rather than questions. Oh, amazing. <laughs> I'll take that. <laughs> that was funny. I was like, give me questions. I, I love the love, thank you, but give me some questions. So we have a few here and I, oh, also, I just want to read this one. Someone said, I have no questions. I'm just thrilled by this collab. Holy hell. I thought. <laughs> yes. I love that. Thank you, person who submitted that. <laughs> yeah. Well, first, I, I guess I want to ask a person, like from me, how long have you been creating? And what's been your journey up until now in, in any way that you feel like describing your creative journey? Yeah. Thank you for asking that. So I would say as long as I can remember, I've always been drawing. So I feel like I have early memories of being three and picking up a crayon and just making a lot of drawings. And so I feel like from an early age, I just knew that I was really into drawing and also I was a really shy introverted kid. So I feel like the activities of drawing, reading, writing, those, I was just sort of predisposed to that. And I found as a really shy girl growing up in the suburbs of Orange County, as this little nerdy girl um, with glasses, I felt like though it was hard for me to express myself in a group of people or in front of others, being able to tell my stories and speak my voice, it came to me more intuitively in the form of drawing or writing or writing down stories. And so that's always been a part of my life and the way that I felt most comfortable expressing myself. And so I feel like up to my young adulthood, I always had a dream that I would be some kind of artist, whether it was I'm a painter or a novelist or a music video director or something related to telling stories, making cool visuals. And I also felt like as a second generation Japanese American person growing up in a kind of diverse, but still pretty white neighborhood and upbringing, I also was just really inspired by the very few examples I had growing up of Asian American depictions in books, popular culture, media, and just really seeing how those were such rare occurrences. I really wanted to contribute my voice and my perspective to, to bring representation so that other Asian American people like me can look up to these stories and also feel in turn empowered to tell their own stories. 
And so in my early 20s, a big part of my creative development was that at UCLA, I joined this Asian American collegiate theater group called Lapu the Coyote That Cares. And it has a really awesome legacy. So actor Randall Park was one of the original founders. The comedian Ali Wong was also an alumni of this group. And so that was a really empowering part of my creative journey of connecting with other Asian American artists, writers, performers, and yeah, basically feeling empowered to tell our own stories instead of seeking permission from gatekeepers or always being cast as the minority best friend or the minority sidekick or a really um, shallow stereotype. And also in tandem with that, I have been dealing with depression for most of my, I want to say, puberty onward life. And so it wasn't until after I graduated from college that I was sort of in a really difficult situation where I was living abroad, teaching English in Japan because I had no idea what to do with an art degree. And so it was during those difficult times when my mental health was at a very, very low place that I got into meditation and I felt like the universe sort of conspired that for me where a coworker friend of mine happened to be like, hey, do you want to read Eckhart Tolle, A New Earth. And I was like, sure. And that changed my life. No big deal. And really got me into meditation. And so from then onward, I think there's just always been an infusion or a hybrid, if you will, of both telling stories and also thinking a lot about mental health and wanting to tell my experience so that others hopefully may feel less alone and also hopefully may also feel inspired to try a meditation practice in however they see fit. That's so beautiful. That's so beautiful. And I feel like a lot of us have that, that moment where someone gives us a book and and then we're like, it's the gateway track to be more expanded. Oh, that's so, that's so beautiful. Okay. This is like, just because I was, you were talking about representation in movies of Asian Americans. How did you feel with the, like the way that the, I don't know if you've seen it, everything everywhere all at once. I don't know if you've seen it. I love that movie. How did you feel about the reception of that movie? I mean, I was excited that I I was so lucky. I happened to catch the LA premiere of it. Uh, before it got released more nationwide and it was it was just a really exciting way to see the movie in a packed movie theater a lot of my asian american artist friends and community connections were also there and um i felt like it was this collective exciting experience to see not just work by um, a co-director of an Asian American director, but to also see Asians and Asian Americans on screen. And also for me personally, I'm just excited when something by an Asian American artist, it's just weird as hell and (laughs) kooky and off the wall. I, I just loved all of it. And so I'm excited that, um, it's been getting a lot of buzz and I hope to see more works like this. That's just ambitious and weird and cosmic and yes. Yeah. <laughs> I will see. Cause I'm, I'm not part of the Asian American community, so I don't know what it feels like. I do remember when I first watched black Panther, when that came out and like all like my friends and I, it was this like feeling of like, wow. And this just a lot of strength felt like it was coming from it, but the movie, everything everywhere, all at once, I f- I feel like that was a, I don't even know what to call it. It felt like a portal for like yes. the entire world. I, I, I don't think I've ever cried that much in a movie in my entire life. I DM'd the director after, cause I'm like, I just want to say, <laughs> I love you. I don't like, I, <laughs> and then I just saw, I saw the reception of it and how it rippled out in a way I, I've never really seen 
a modern movie have that much impact that much quick that quickly and i'm just like i wonder what it feels like to be an asian american in america watching that movie and seeing how people are like shook like the world i feel like to me as an outsider looking i wanted to feel what that was like it felt awesome (laughs) cool all right let's get into the questions that the people have for us okay First question, this is interesting. I just, um, I don't know exactly how to explain it. So I'm just going to, I want to hear your, your take on it. Okay. Is perception creative? Wow. What a, what a deep question. Is perception creative? I mean, my immediate answer is yes, because I think, I think basically how you perceive the world is in itself a creative act, right? You, two people or 10 people can be, receiving the same stimuli and your perception of it is the the story you tell the meaning you infuse into the experience which then is the co-creation between you and the universe and so yes perception is creative yeah I definitely agree with that (laughs) I absolutely have to agree with that I feel like it like that's the beginning of being creative is is perceiving something and then watching the story and then wanting to communicate that story in some some capacity so I definitely I definitely feel like that is true and they had a they had a second half of that question they said what are strategies for balancing and balancing perceiving and creating I'm, I'm assuming that the perceiving is maybe taking in something so balancing maybe consumption and creation is how I'm perceiving that question. Yeah, I was thinking along those lines too. I I think, I know for myself, it's easy for me to get caught in the, I don't want to say escapism per se, but, or maybe it's a rut. I'm not finding quite the right word for it, but sometimes it is easy for me to get into the mode of, well, I'm just going to receive a lot of artwork and but also, but that's also my way of neglecting the creating part, the actual forward momentum of doing the work instead of sort of thinking around the work. Ooh. And so, and I, I think that's just something that you hone in intuitively over time uh, because certainly receiving and perceiving other people's artwork, other people's stories, other stimuli in general, like nature or going to a new place, those things are absolutely important. And it's so important to fill your own well up, especially if you're feeling uninspired or depleted or burnt out. Those things are absolutely important. And I think our capitalist patriarchal culture does not value that more yin state of receiving enough. That being said, I feel like it's important to also check in and ask yourself, am I, is, has the pendulum swung too far into perceiving as a way to avoid sitting down and doing the work, which it can be scary and intimidating. And I think no matter how experienced you are as an artist, that that sort of resistance and hesitation, I think will always be there in some level. And so I think it's just that intuitive check-in you have to do where it's like, okay, have, am I ready to sit down and do the work, even if I'm a little scared? Um, Or am I really burnt out and I just need to receive and be inspired a lot? Um, Or all of the above. I don't know. It's not, it's not a binary. You can obviously do both. And yeah. And then also if you are feeling hesitation to, sit down and create and do the work. I think it's just asking yourself with compassion and non-judgment and gentleness, like, okay, what, where is the resistance coming from? And also, 
if you are in that receiving state, then maybe it's also nice to ask yourself, okay, what can I do to sort of start creating the space to create when I feel ready to do so, whether it's just setting up your workstation or buying a sketchbook or putting it in your calendar, just sort of preemptively pre-paving your neural pathway to create that container of time and space and intention to actually then sit down and create um, because that's important too. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. I feel like people are going to get a lot of impact from, from what you just shared because you're, you're really breaking it down in a way that is, I feel like actionable because my, my approach is very, like if once I start feeling weird about consuming, then I stop. And so it's, and so for maybe, maybe some people can understand the way my brain works, but I, once it starts feeling kind of like, almost like I've eaten too much or it's getting, yeah, too, yeah then I'm <laughs> like, okay, all right. What, like, why are you doing this right now? What, are, what is it you're trying to, what are you reaching for when you're going beyond that sensation of I'm full, I've had enough. That's what I check in with and I'm like, oh, I haven't found the inspiration that I want yet, or I'm trying not to feel something or, you know, and so just kind of seeing why I would overconsume for myself. And then when it comes to creating, I feel if you're someone like me, removing as much pressure as possible when it comes to creation, making it so that like, it, that you're not saying for any reason that you have to create like i must get this done i this 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 has to happen or this is going to happen allowing yourself to dissolve pressure and sometimes people don't like that especially if they're just like well i wanted this by this date just letting people know like hey i'm gonna try my best but there's the urgency most urgency is not real and so prioritizing (laughs) but prioritizing yourself and your creative pace and just allowing it to exist. And I find that because I do that, my creativity is a compulsion at this point. There's never, it's never like, I have to create because of this. It's like, I have to create or I'm going to scream. <laughs> That's, it's like, a, <laughs> it's, it has to happen because my body is just, it wants to grab something and make things. And I really like what you said about making it easy, essentially to create, like have the things that you need to create easily accessible to you so that your body can just be like, oh, it's right there. I can just, I'm ready to just move towards that. I love that. I love that question. And I think it's going to be really fantastic for people to hear. Okay. This question I feel is going to be more of like the mental health route. And someone asked, how do I move through something I'm totally tied up in? Wow. These questions are so deep. How do I move through something I'm tied up in? Well, I'm trying to think of a concrete example of that. I wonder if an equivalent would be, yeah, I'm just wondering if this is like emotional tied up or more tangible, like a job you don't like, or a general sort of something that is weighing on you, like heartbreak or... Mm. I'm just curious how you interpret the question, P. My my first instinct is when you're tied up in anything, like if it's a job you don't like, if it's heartbreak, if like for me, if you're if you're tied up in something, recognizing that you're tied up in it is extremely important. Like pausing and being like, I'm consumed by this right now. Like this is this, everything in me is tied up in this situation. And the reason I say it's so important to just notice that you're tied up is because what happens is if we don't pause, we just start moving. Like we don't, we we don't realize that like this, there's a certain situation that is like filtering the, the, the way I'm viewing the world. It's affecting maybe even like how I'm speaking, how I'm sleeping. You know, I feel like it's important to recognize and not just keep moving, like pause and realize like you're tied up. And it, let's notice that first. And if it feels like you're completely tied up in something, this might not, some people might not agree with this or enjoy this. What makes you feel relief right now? That is, that I find is more beneficial than anything else in my reality is to reach for relief 
first, because if I'm completely tied up, tied up, I'm not seeing clearly, I'm not moving the way that I normally could move. I'm, I'm consumed. And so I need relief before I try, try to do anything. And so if that relief is sleep, if that relief is watching the Kardashians, if that, if that relief is smoking weed, like I, I'm like, what, how can I get relief so I can see for a moment so I can like not feel like I'm tied up? How can I loosen this sensation a little bit? Those are the first and probably only two things that I would say is notice that you're tied up, stop moving <laughs> and reach for relief wherever, wherever you can find it at first. And then from that point of relief, a lot more answers can come. But I find that when people are tied up, they're like, oh, I'm tied up and this is bad and I shouldn't be tied up and I need to, I need to find a way to keep going. And it's like, don't keep going, <laughs> pause, find something, find something to soothe yourself for, for some time. Oh no, I absolutely love that. And I think as you were talking, I kept getting this mental imagery of being literally tied up in rope and how, yeah, like you said, if you, it, that animal instinct kicks in where you just want to run or flee that fight or flight, um, adrenaline rush kicks in. And so, yeah, to echo what you said, I think the first question is, where can I invite similar to you asking, where can I invite in relief? Um, I think the question that comes to my head is where can you invite in spaciousness? So the ropes, these metaphorical ropes aren't as tight. And so maybe you need to see a therapist. Maybe you need to vent to your loved ones and support network. Um, Maybe asking yourself, where can I receive outside help? Um, if if that applies, and also, I, I think I I think also to that that serenity prayer that's always, um, in that live love laugh font. What was it? God grant me the serenity to. Except what I, I'm going to paraphrase it because I don't know it, but it's like, God, grant me the serenity to accept what I cannot change and also change what I can or, or something to that effect. So I think it is like, which I think help can help distill your options in the situation. Well, what are the things that cannot be changed? That's beyond my control. I can't change people. Uh, other people's actions, but I can certainly change my own reaction, my own perspective, calling back to that first question, perspective, mm -hmm. creative, what other perspectives are available. And I think also sometimes what helps me, what I learned from several spiritual teachers, but the, the book that comes to mind, um, I think you will love this book, Pete. It's called Change Me Prayer by Tosha Silver. And uh, so Tosha Silver, she's a really awesome, cool, spiritual writer, teacher. And so she talks a lot about giving your problem to the divine, uh, letting the divine take over the problem solving instead of you. So sometimes it can help to, to imagine literally handing over your problem to the universe and making, speaking out loud a prayer that's just like, hey universe, um, I, with my limited human imagination, I feel stuck, but there's a higher consciousness that sees everything and knows the solutions to everything. So let this higher cosmic solution come through and see what happens. And sometimes you might be surprised unexpected solutions might come up that you otherwise would have never dreamed up on your own. Yeah. Oh, I love that you're saying this because that, that's to me, that's like, that's the co-creative process. That's like us creating with life is saying yeah. like, Oh, I've run into this situation that I don't have control over. I, but there's something here that I'm not enjoying. I want this God reality. My, my, I like to refer to like my chosen self, the, the self that I like came here to be came the one that I came here to choose. I'm like, you handle this. I would love this to look like this instead. 
someone take care of yeah 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 to bounce off what you just said i think maybe you want to imagine for yourself well if i'm tied up in the solution and i want to move on well what does that look like then what how would it feel in my body to be untied to be moved on what would be the scene in my future life where i feel moved on and untied like what would i be doing what does that look like how does that emotionally feel how does that physically feel and i feel like when you do that then that also is inviting in unexpected solutions and even if it's not visible immediately, I feel like you're sort of making invisible ripples in the universe. That's just letting the universe know, hey, this is what I want. This is how I want to feel. Let's um, let's see what happens. Yeah, that and that, that asking is so easy to like try to take care of everything by yourself. I was like, I need, I need to be the one to figure this out. Then I need to, you know, instead of allowing life the chance to resolve something in a, in a creative new way that you couldn't even humanly think. So I love that. And it just, and now it's like making me think about my dog trainer. And sometimes when dogs meet someone new and they're on a leash, they'll freak out. And it's, it's the only reason they're freaking out is because they're tied up, like, because they can't move. So there's limited options. They don't have the ability to like go and greet the person or like they're, 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 they're fight or flight. They have, no ability to fight or fly because they're stuck. They're, they're caught in something. And so with my dog, just noticing like, Oh, when she's tied up and there's a new experience happening that automatically is, is going to cause a reaction in her. That's, it doesn't make sense. It's something that can, that can be kind of irrational. If she doesn't feel like she's, it's, we have to like walk with her and have her walk next to us. Cause it kind of feels like she's like in a project on a mission. She's like, I'm, I'm doing the thing that I need to be doing. And so realizing that when you're tied up like that, you don't have options and to try to force something to happen. I just feel like that is what can cause a lot of spirals. Honestly, at least for me, realizing it's time to let go of something is, is and hand it off to, to God is, so beneficial. Cool. I'm going to ask a question that something you said made me want to go to a specific question. Where are you? Okay. What are you creating with the universe right now? Oh, I love this question. Well, I feel like, so I turned 38 this year and a lot of my friends are in that similar age range. And I feel like as we're approaching our forties and beyond, I, I feel like we're dealing with the glimmers of, I don't want to say midlife crisis. The phrase that my friend and I came up with is midlife reinvention. And so I am feeling the sense of transitioning to a new chapter of my life. That's sort of being like, okay, this was the first half of my life and the trajectory and how, and all those decisions and pathways that brought me to where I am now. And so for the second half of my life, what do I want it to look like? And I do have this strong sense of not wanting to do the same things that I've been doing. I mean, certainly things I've done in my 20s and 30s that I'm into still, they could certainly still carry on. But I'm also just really feeling the sense of wanting to say, blow up my life, maybe consciously cultivate a new way of living and being that's taking me out of my comfort zone. And I don't know what that looks like yet. Like I have some vague ideas, like, I don't know, do I need to get a house in the woods or live in Japan for a while? Do I need to um, completely break away from 
books and art and do something completely different. I don't know. Do I need to dye my hair again? Um, <laughs> I love like, that. Yeah. <laughs> I need to get a septum ring. I don't know. And so <laughs> I feel like, I feel like there is this interesting, I sense in my bones that there's going to be this interesting co-creation of, Oh, who am I going to become next? Mm. And like, I don't know, but I'm, I'm writing excited for, something new and I know it's something that would be a conversation with the universe because I feel like in setting that intention and having that desire new random opportunities are going to come up like like it always does right when you are ready for new changes all of a sudden you get that email or text message that all of a sudden takes your life in a different trajectory and Mm -hmm. so I just I just feel like those things are on their way. So that's, that's what I'm co-creating with the universe. Me. <laughs> that's so fun. And it's interesting because in human design, I don't know if you've ever heard of that. It's like astrology, but strange. But human design, <laughs> there's... What's your human design archetype? I know very little. I just know what my thing is. It's, uh, well, I'm, I'm a 5'2 manifesting generator. Do you know yours? <laughs> Well, I don't know the numbers, but I know I'm a manifester. That's, that's all I know. Fun. Oh, fun. <laughs> ah, that's so fun. You, you might want to look into your South node and your North node because in human design, your South node is usually just what you're identifying with learning about really fortifying up until you're around 40. And then at 40, you start to move into your North node. So I would actually like take, take a look at your North node because it might be giving you an indicator of like the movement that's happening. That could be fun to play with. Something. That's really, that's funny. See, that's already the universe, like throwing me this nugget of wisdom that I can follow. Yeah. Thank you. That's awesome. I'm glad. Yeah. Just, I would, I would check out, I like to look at like when I'm looking at specific placements, the conscious North node gate. So the gate that's in black, that's your North node. I would look at that and you'll, it's, if you look at your chart, you'll know what I'm talking about. Cool. Let's see. So me, what am I creating? I also feel like I'm experiencing a change. It doesn't feel very big, but it does feel like I'm stepping into the part of myself that's more whimsical and less realistic, less reasonable and responsible. Cause I'm, I'm a Virgo moon, Virgo rising, and I've been a responsible old grandpa since I was, <laughs> since I was a child. And so I love I, Virgo energy. I'm a Virgo moon. Yeah. What's your sign? Virgo moon. <laughs> and I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm wanting to allow maybe more of my Scorpio, like, uh, like shaman spiritual, like Ooh. mystical self to come out. Cause it feels like my Virgo's running the show. <laughs> that should be, that should be interesting. I'm nervous about it. It makes me sweat, but it's, it's happening because I want it to happen. So that's, I'm, I'm curious to see like how that's going to, show up in external reality we'll see (laughs) next question this one there's another one i want to okay someone asked i'd love to hear about her process so your process start to finish for creating (laughs) yeah i i think i want to say there is a general arc that all creative projects tend to follow more or less. And so, and also I, I took this amazing online course called the feminist business school founded by sister dot is, um, the founder is Jennifer Armbrust and it's an incredible, incredible online course for women and femme entrepreneurs who want to move away from the the gate the the old stuff of capitalism and patriarchy and co-create a whole different world of doing business and benefiting the world and making change um if you are an entrepreneur at any level i i really recommend this online course um so and so in the online course jennifer armbrust she 
really likened the process of creating a business as giving birth. And I feel like being a creative person follows a similar trajectory where there's the conception. So it's that initial spark of an idea. And then with the first trimester, if you will, you know, it's things are sort of amorphous. Things haven't fully solidified yet. And so there's that open-ended phase when all possibilities are on the table and you're just sort of dreaming big and expanded and brainstorming and trying on different ideas. And then as the creative process goes along further, then you're starting to distill your ideas into specific decisions and actions. So some possibilities get closed, but some pathways are chosen. And then, and so, and so I, for example, I am working on an affirmation deck that's going to come out sometime next fall. I'm really excited about it. And so I will say to use that example, the first phase was sort of just making a lot of drawings, making a lot of card deck ideas for oh, what each card would have, making over a hundred keywords, over a hundred concepts. And then as the project progressed, then I start distilling the ideas to cut it down to 80 concepts, 50 concepts, mm -hmm. and choosing from the excess of ideas and artwork generated, okay, which ones are the cream of the crop, which ones are chosen, and which ones are set aside. And then, and then basically the, the project, the form, it gets distilled further and further until it reaches its arrival and it's ready to be shown to the world. And of course, it's not a linear process, right? Um, creativity is nonlinear. So you may go back and forth between the distillation and the creating. You may want to step back from the project for a while, or maybe you work on a new project because the old project feels stagnant, or you need to go out into the world and receive information and inspiration. Um, but I think I really like the giving birth uh, analogy. And also the other analogy I go to, if birthing isn't your thing, then I think it is like, planting the seeds for a garden, where I think it's important to set up the space and the intention of like, okay, I want to grow this garden. And then, so you're planting the seeds, you're making sure the soil is right. Uh, also in the, in the birthing analogy that uh, the feminist business school presented, the other thing that's important before conception is to be fertile so be fertile energetically spiritually and however you define it so i think it's like okay i feel i feel well rested i mm. take care of my body i feel i'm doing my self-care rituals i'm going out into nature i'm eating healthy food i'm looking at awesome artwork i have a supportive french friendships and relationships and so those things make your body and mind fertile for creating the work so before the creative process even begins i think it's also having your life in order however that means to you uh like you said earlier p it's um taking away any pressures that don't need to be there. So eliminating any unnecessary stress, um, releasing toxic relationships, um, saying no to things you don't want to do. And, and certainly I'm not saying, oh, your life needs to be perfect and you need to have all your shit together before you create. Um, certainly you can create anytime, anywhere, but I know for myself, it's easier when I feel like, mind, body, spirit, I'm in a good place because being creative and working on a project, it can be an undertaking that 
um, requires a lot of energy. So let's be energetically in a good place first. And then, um, oh, and another thing that helps me with creative projects, uh, which I also learned from the feminist business school is that the idea that I learned in feminist business school was that you see your business as its own energetic entity and you talk to it mm. like it's separate from you because your business is separate from you. And similarly, I think with creative projects, I think it's important to remember that your creative project is not you. It's its own energetic baby that has its own needs and schedule and rhythms and personality that's going to start emerging. And so sometimes it helps me to step back and kind of do this visualization where I imagine my creative project having its own spirit and sort of asking questions like, okay, what do you need from me? What can I do for you? And it's it could be mutual too, where you can also tell the creative project, okay, this is what I want from you. And let's, let's co-create, let's collaborate so that you can then fulfill your destiny of being out in the world, inspiring people and doing the thing that you are meant to do. I love that so much. I'm going to go backwards. There's, there's a lot of things were happening to me while you were talking. <laughs> and so that, that is really beautiful. I, cause I'm, I'm someone who tends to use my business as an extension of myself. It's just kind of like, Oh, the, it's, it's just moves along with me, but I do enjoy the idea of being in relationship with my business rather than it just, I mean, even us we're multidimensional, meaning that like we're in relationship with ourselves even, but it would be nice to have those types of like conversations with my business. Like, what do you want? What are you? That's beautiful. I'm going to do that immediately. <laughs> like right. Yeah. After and also asking your business to take care of you. Yes. So that it's not always like, depending on where your business is, you know, of course, in the beginning, it's your baby, your child, your toddler, but eventually it can also get to a point where it's taking care of you. And that's awesome too, right? I love that so much. I love that so much. Wow. And then also something else, one thing that is kind of a funny thing. So my, a friend of mine who's also a manifester, they actually are someone who refers to like all their projects as like birth. And she's like, so she's like, I squat down and I deliver it. I don't know whoever, <laughs> that's Henry, but she's like squat down and I, you know, I birth the thing. And like, just hearing her talk about that. I'm like, it's so interesting. Like the manifester process of like birthing something out into the world is I feel like y'all experience creating this new thing in a very interesting way that I don't think other beings experience creation. It's, I, I don't know how else to put it into words, but it's, it's very intense to watch from the outside. I'm like, wow, you are really like giving birth right now. Whoa. That's a little note I want to make. And then what you were talking about, just like essentially cr like creating the environment where your creation can thrive is how to create essentially instead of focusing on like okay how can i make this thing happen how can i get this like it's like is can this anything in the proper environment will grow period that's just Absolutely. what you know happens and so cultivating that environment what type of creative thing is it does it want more sunlight does it not need a lot of water does it want more water like what's you know so that i love that like cultivation of what you need. Cause for me, for instance, I'm someone who also went through really intense depression. And what I realized is every time I move, wherever I move, there's more sunlight. It's all, I'm always moving more and more towards sunlight. <laughs> so it's, it's so much easier for me to create things now because there's always light. Like there's always this feeling of like, okay, I can see great. I need to be able to see. And in hindsight, looking back, I'm like, wow, that makes so much space for my ability to be creative. Also having physical spaciousness in the places that I'm living also is really important to me because I'm like, I don't, I need to be able to feel like I can do a cartwheel. <laughs> that is important. <laughs> I'm with you on that. Lots of sunlight, lots of space. Yes. And so knowing what 
works for you because maybe you maybe you need darkness maybe you need to feel like some limitations you might be someone who like i need to kind of i need i need rules about what i'm going to create that's the environment that i need i need to so just knowing yourself and knowing what brings creativity out of you what allows your creativity to exist and prioritizing that above most things i'd say yeah that's beautiful i love that I feel like it's going to be so helpful. My, our, my Virgo placements are like, wow, this is going to be really helpful to people. <laughs> yeah. Virgo season. <laughs> more days. <laughs> yes. Okay. I'll do one more question. And that question is continuing to have faith in yourself and big dreams versus self-doubt and imposter syndrome. So this isn't a question, but I guess they're asking like how, how to continue having faith in yourself and, and your big dreams rather than maybe succumbing to self-doubt and imposter syndrome? Oh, what a multifaceted <laughs> question. How to approach this? Well, I think the first thing that comes to mind is that it's absolutely normal to have self-doubt and imposter syndrome. I think what helps me to have a relationship with uh, self-doubt and imposter syndrome is to one, acknowledge it and to recognize that we all have that prehistoric lizard brain in us that is going to be freaked out by new experiences, no matter how badass or strong we are, where we do, we're always going to have that lizard brain that wants to keep us safe at the expense of our own growth. So first of all, it's it's okay if you have self-doubt and you have imposter syndrome. That's totally normal. Everyone goes through it. That being said, I think it's also recognizing and, and wanting to make that choice for yourself that, okay, I do have self-doubt. I do experience imposter syndrome, but I don't want that to be the steering wheel of my life. I don't want that to be dictating all my, all my decisions, all my actions, who I become. And so, and also, I don't think it's always a binary between big dreams versus self-doubt. Sometimes even the minor shifts that you make are also as important as big dreams. Mm -hmm. So for example, you know, I think the big dreams that we think of in the collective culture, it's those big, shiny accomplishments that sound impressive, right? Like, oh, I published my first book or I had my first solo gallery show or I made my first movie. Um, I think it's important to remember that the the steps that it takes to achieve those big dreams, they're many, many incremental shifts that you make throughout your day, throughout your life. And so starting a meditation practice may not seem like, oh, a big dream accomplishment, but it will take you towards your big dream. Um, Taking care of yourself, having good relationships, being excited and curious about having new experiences, even if it's just taking a vacation or traveling somewhere you've never been to before or taking a class, they may seem mundane and kind of boring on paper, but in the grand scheme of things, they're very important. Anything that takes you away from fear and towards love, your self-love, love and opening your heart to others, love and what you creatively love to do. And so I think if some big goal seems too daunting, then maybe you can ask yourself, okay, what is a small daily habit I can do that will move me in the right direction? Where, for example, if you want to become a writer and a published author, maybe you don't have to think immediately about writing that perfect novel, but you can at least write for five minutes a day um, or sign up for an online writing class or find other writing friends and start a writing group. And so these things are low stakes and 
easier to do, but they're still going to take you towards the direction of your dreams. And so these days I'm thinking what's been helpful for me is to think less about the perfect destination. That's all or nothing. And more so about the direction that I'm going and the very day-to-day decisions that I can make that will move me towards that. And, and also I think with big dreams, I think it's important to have fun imagining these dreams, right? Like instead of making it this pressure build thing where it's like, oh my gosh, if I don't achieve this, I'm a total loser. What if you dream these things from a place of abundance where it's like, I, I am good enough. I am already lovable and worthy and all of that. I'm already perfect. And so the icing on this perfect cake that is me is going to be these other cool experiences. It's not going to make me a better person or make me more lovable, but it will be really fucking cool to experience. So let's just daydream and just imagine receiving these awesome scenarios and kind of go from there instead of making it this life or death situation where you would absolutely feel shitty and worthless if xyz doesn't happen again like you said p taking the pressure off so where it's it's more fun and less stressful yeah i love that so much it's interesting i i have a couple like people around me in my life actually who are all birthing new things into the world doing these new things and what's really exciting is to see the playful energy that they're entering into that with and it's something I've been thinking about a lot where I'm like, wait, if I'm not playing, what am I doing? Like, what, what is, yeah. oh, I, I want to play. That's, that's, that's honestly why I mostly do anything is because I'm like, let's play. Let's, let's, you know, have some fun. And so, yeah, have some fun. Uh, injecting that into the experience and re- like checking in. If, if something feels actually, I was speaking to a friend about this earlier, if something feels like there's pressure for you to accomplish this thing, then that thing that you're trying to accomplish, it feels like it's heavy. Mm-hmm. There might be a desire there, but it's distorted because that's the, the thing, like what you're wanting might be like five layers under what you're looking at. And so it's like, what is the, the essence of what you're looking for from this yes. thing? Is, you know, like, Absolutely. I love that. Yeah. Like, Oh, I want to become a published writer. I'm not saying that you can't become a published writer, but I'm saying like, okay, well, what about that is calling? Because right. if, mm-hmm. if, if the idea of being a published writer feels like, Oh, there's so much pressure. There's so hard. I'm like, Whoa, whoa, whoa. hold on. What's <laughs> desire? Like, what is it that you, actually truly want move towards that essence and that's going to make it so that the 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 process is fun it's like i'm not trying to you know there's not like a means to an end that's that's happening so it's really that's beautiful and and i'd also say being on your own side like prioritizing being on your own side because when you're on your when you're on your own side it's not like the self-doubt is going to go away but when you're experiencing the self-doubt it's, it's, it's not as detrimental. It doesn't feel as destructive. If you cultivate a relationship with yourself where you know that at the core of your being, you're on your own side. Cause you can hear like, Oh, I didn't really like how you did that. Or like, you said that really awkwardly. You said that kind of strangely. And it's like, okay, wait, hold on. If I'm on my, if I'm being on my own side, what is the loving part of what you're saying. Like, let me reach for the, like, oh, do you want me to speak more slowly? Is that what you're asking for? Because this voice that's like, rah, 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 if I'm on my own side, they're not going to be like insulting me. So there's, there's, there's something underneath here that if I choose to be on my own side that I can hear without feeling like I'm attacked. And so, yeah, I, I find that that's so helpful for me to prioritize being on my, being on my own side. Cause even actually, Oh, there's, there's one question about dealing with criticism from strangers and how to deal with that. When you're on your own side, it's so much easier to navigate that because it's like, okay, I can hear this criticism. I can feel whether or not it's coming from love or if it's come from malice. 
I actually told, I was telling friends today, I'm like, if I can feel criticism that's coming from pure malice, I don't care about what they're saying. I don't care. I don't want to hear it. But if it's coming from love and it's criticism, I can tell when someone's on my side because I'm on my side. And so I'm like, okay, I can hear you. I'm willing to listen to what you have to say. And so be on your own side as much as you can. Yes. And I love what you said about parsing through the layers of your desire. Uh, The thing that I like to ask myself a lot is, what is the desire beneath the desire? Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. I love that. (laughs) This conversation is amazing. And I I agree. (laughs) I feel like it's going to be so valuable. It's not, it's going to be, it already is extremely valuable. And I'm so grateful that you came on. Is there anything that you're working on or that you're excited to share? Anything that you want to let the world know about? Oh my gosh. Yes. So I do have a mindful coloring book out in bookstores. It's called Yumi Burst Mindful Coloring Book. It's my drawings interlaced with affirmations and mantras that will hopefully invite in more gentleness and self-love and playfulness and permission to rest in your life. And I also have two webinars coming out and depending on when this is released, they will also be available as webinar recordings. So you don't have to catch the exact live stream. So on Sunday, September 25th, I'm releasing a live stream of a webinar called Transmuting Shame into Freedom. And it's a half meditation, visualization, half movement, somatic class where I and my co-facilitator, Janet Lowe, were leading people through different exercises to help you acknowledge your shame and have a more self-loving relationship to it instead of being scared of it and wanting to avoid it and inviting in modalities where you can move through it instead of feeling divided against yourself, being on your own side, as you would say. And I also have another workshop in early October, October 8th. Um, It's one of my favorite webinars. It's about healing it's called the creative artist's guide to healing money shame. And it's, it's for creatives who have a difficult relationship with money, which is most people, most people have a difficult relationship with money. So it's about diving into your conceptions, your assumptions, your fixed attitudes around money, scarcity, making money as an artist and being able to invite in new narratives that are actually going to serve you and Um, hopefully help you feel whole as a human being, an artist, and a person who needs to survive in capitalism, um, but doesn't want to replicate the harmful practices of capitalism. And I will also have some new merch out through Sunshine Shop, which is a store that places my merch. Yeah, they're great. And they have a lot of awesome BIPOC artists also selling their own awesome merch. So expect a merch drop by the end of the year. And also, as I mentioned earlier in the episode, I do have an affirmation deck that's coming out in the fall next fall. And I'm also re-releasing an old meditation book, a revised and expanded version with a lot of new material next summer too. So stay tuned for all of these things. Oh my God. Oh, that sounds so exciting and nourishing. And I'm like, when you start talking about the coloring book, I was just envisioning because I have a couple of friends who are hanging out here. I'm like, that'd be so fun to like, just sit on the floor and do it together. So I'm like, Oh, I need to, I need to hop on that. Thank you. Oh my gosh. Yeah. One of my friends hosted a little coloring party for my friends and I with my book and it was really fun. It was, it's just the perfect introvert Friday night activity. (laughs) Like we had snacks and candles and all of our coloring material. It was, it was lit. It was awesome. Highly recommend it. I love that. I love your work. I love the way you're running your business. I am. You're great. I hope you know. (laughs) Oh my gosh, likewise. I'm so honored to be on this podcast. Thank you so much, P. Of course, thank you. I also wanted to include that 
starting on October 2nd. Well, October 3rd is when the chat starts. I'm opening up my Create Your Character Challenge again. It's this group chat that every day you commit to being your chosen self in whatever capacity. And then there's bonus challenges that we do as well. But I've done it so far for about a week and a half with the group and it's 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 amazing and I just needed to do it again because it's changing my existence and it's changing the lives of other people as well. It's just this simple activity. So that starts on the third and then there's also a bonus chat if you want to also receive coaching of some sort, receive creative creative coaching, business, love, whatever you're wanting to create in your reality. If you're wanting to have coaching on that with me, that's gonna be a bonus chat on top of that. Both of those are on the website. That's all, bye.